0: Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit HRGazette.com, subscribe, and follow us on social media.
1: Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. Employees want their leaders to share the purpose of their work, they want to engage with their hearts and their minds in work that resonates. When leaders make these connections and build upon foundations of meaning and purpose, good and sustainable business outcomes can happen. In this HR Chat episode, we're gonna consider some impactful ways to achieve such outcomes. Hey, this is Bill Bannum, and I'm your host today and I'm joined by Brad Federman. CEO, Performance Point LLC, and author of Cultivating Culture, 101 Ways to Foster Engagement in 15 Minutes or Less, which was released very recently, back in uh, March 2022. Brad works with organizations of all sizes and in all industries, helping them foster engaged employees, resilient relationships, and collaborative cultures. Brad, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show today.
0: Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here
1: okay so i'm going to start this interview with a with a quote because it's a lovely quote thank you okay so i'm I'm going to i'm going to preface asking you to to introduce yourself to our listeners beyond my introduction there by by reading out this quote from ed mcgee who's the evp operations at fender music corporation and co-president of fender play foundation Uh, he writes the following in the foreword of your new book which we'll be focusing on today I would learn from many more years of working with Brad. Not only is he a practiced people whisperer, what a term, uh, but he's also one of those unique individuals so grounded in people and culture that my learning in this space was beginning all over again. Wow, what a what a quote, what, what a lovely thing to say. Uh, why don't you follow that up by introducing yourself to our listeners today, Brad?
0: I'm not sure how I follow that up. I was so touched when he wrote that. Uh, it was amazing. I'm I'm Brad Fetterman. I'm the CEO of Performance Point, and, and here's kind of our philosophy. We feel companies focus on the wrong P's. You're going to say, what is a P? Well, I, I'll say we help companies move from focusing too much on profit, proclamations, problems, and process to purpose, people, participation, and passion. We feel it's out of balance, and we inspire them, our clients, to discover and live what's possible. They're possible. That's really what we're about. We want them to create incredible cultures, incredible relationships, and incredible customer experiences by focusing on the P's that they tend to neglect.
1: Okay, thank you. Now then, your new book is filled with insights and how-tos based on your 25 plus years of experience as a corporate consultant and a keynote speaker in various HR disciplines from employee engagement to instructional design and beyond. So Brad, why write the book and what was your inspiration behind it?
0: Well, the inspiration was the success we had with companies we worked with because a lot of what's in that book is based on the work we did with organizations to help them improve safety, engagement, quality, customer service, and more using tools like what's in this book. I mean, we have well over 500 in our arsenal and we chose 101 for this book. It's sort of a primer, if you will. Um, and, and, and so we really wanted to, to use what worked. That's the first reason. The second reason really is because we wrote it for managers who are just too busy to make these things happen without support. You know, we, we put so much weight on the manager and we forget that they're human beings and they're employees too. We really need to support them. So this became a playbook for managers and, and it contains what we call culture workouts. Each activity is a culture workout. And with this book, they have the ability to drive the culture the organization wants but can't seem to achieve. And the last reason we wrote the book is because we believe culture is a living, breathing thing. And when we've seen it woven into the fabric of an organization, into the way we work, um, it, it creates significant change and a productive environment so providing short bursts of culture building allows managers and team leaders to do just that weave it into their work life with their employees that's why i wrote the book
1: Now, now let's explore some of the lessons from your book then brad uh with the belief that we are what we talk about you offer 100 and more ways to engage your team in conversations that matter that the hope is to make meetings about more than tasks deadlines and problems and instead utilize cultivating cultures pre-meeting notes and activities to grow deeper understanding of the work that folks are doing and why activities are divided into eight key focus areas i understand i'd, I'd love for you now to take some time and talk about each and uh, i've got a little questions associated with each of those areas. So let's start with leadership. Talk to us a bit about that. And as part of your answer there, what what does it mean to you to be a successful leader? Wow.
0: So to be a successful leader, to me, this is my definition. (coughs) Excuse me. It's the ability to guide, motivate and influence others over a sustained period of time in different types of environments and conditions. What do I mean by that? I mean, You have the resilience and emotional intelligence that allows you to replicate productive leadership, regardless of. People are opportunistic leaders. They have a tendency to be successful in one company or in one circumstance, and then they have a hard time recreating that. And the truth is that the more we focus on. On the human side of things and we have strong emotional intelligence and resilience the more often we can actually help our employees. We can truly be servant leaders because we, we are focusing on them and their needs. And we can recreate that regardless of the environment that we're in. I think that's the powerful piece of it. The second piece I would say is that in the case of culture, we are a role model, a translator of the culture, and a consensus builder of norms.
1: Okay, thank you very much. The The next focused area that I'd, I'd like to chat to you about is uh, communication. So tell us a bit about that and uh, within that answer, maybe you could also answer well, why is communicating with purpose the best way to foster employee engagement and organizational growth?
0: Well, you know, communication is the way everything gets done. We, we are not able to pull anything off unless we are able to collaborate, which means we're communicating. And every message has three main components. The content of the message, which is something that most of us get, right? We, we pay attention to the content. One of the two things that we don't necessarily pay attention to are the emotion wrapped around that content. Because, because sometimes there are subtle cues of, the, of concerns, of excitement, et cetera, around what someone is sharing with you. And then the implications of that message. Right? Unless somebody says if we don't get this done by this date, we will fail. We might not pick up on the implication that the message has, right? That they're sharing. And so we really need to focus on those three components. You know, messaging is in communication, it's basically sharing not only information, it's sharing the story. And every story has purpose. And so we view every communication as being purposeful. And if we handle it that way, we create more purpose in the workplace and more meaning for our employees in the, per- in the workplace. We, we forget the why and sharing the why and really understanding that makes a huge difference in everyone's lives. So when we talk about communicating with purpose, we want to create purpose, meaning in every employee's life. They, they should understand why they're there, what they're doing, why it's important, how they're impacting each other, the, lar- the larger, broader community their customers, and so many companies neglect that. And the closer you are, the more proximate proximity you have to the impact that you have, the more meaning you have in your work. And, and one of the ways that you have to do that is through communication because sometimes people are far removed from the end result. They're far removed sometimes from the customer, even though they have an impact in that relationship. We need to find a way to draw those connections.
1: Okay, I'm loving this. Uh, Next up is talent development, and as part of uh, telling us about this particular area, how can leaders develop the talent that they already have and attract more? And uh, you know, never has this been more important, more pressing than during the Great Resignation.
0: Sure, you know, the first thing I'm going to say is you have to commit. No more lip service. I I mean it. I, I think it's amazing to me how many companies say we. we believe in developing our people and then when you look at what's going on you take a close look you talk to employees they say well yes they say i can take training but i can never take the time off i can never actually go every time i get close they cancel my my training and they make me come back and do this or that Um, you have so many reasons why people are not getting developed grown trained but the biggest one is a lack of real commitment now let me explain why i think this is so important if you're graduating from school today college today you're going to work for a probably about 50 years okay it, that number they say will grow to 60 years okay because our lifespan is has has increased and people are working longer now if you think about that that means you have to be You have to bring income in for 50 to 60 years. You have to be relevant for 50 to 60 years. I'm just gonna say this right now. Career development is the next hot commodity. It is the difference between having less turnover and more turnover. It is the difference between keeping people longer or shorter. Companies need to figure it out because If you're not making me faster, better, and stronger today than I was yesterday, I'm going to go somewhere where they will. And the reason that's the case is because they've seen other people who've been told they're doing great jobs. I just talked to somebody the other day. Three weeks before they were laid off and let go, they were given an exemplary um, performance evaluation. They were given the best performance evaluation they, they could get. And then three weeks later, they were let go. People know that they can go stale and then get let go anytime. And people want to be fresh. They want to be relevant. They want to be marketable and they want to be able to increase their personal income over time. And the only way they can do that is through training and development. And if a company's not willing to commit, then they've lost the war before it began.
1: Why is generating inclusivity good for your people and good for your business? And maybe you can share three easy ways to build it.
0: I will tell you this. I think inclusion is incredibly important. You know, if you look at the civility or incivility happening in many societies today, um, people are having a difficult time getting along. Organizations are one of the last vestiges of bringing people with diverse backgrounds and experiences together to solve problems. And generally speaking, that creates really good results and a lot of innovation. Study after study shows that if you can bring people together who think differently, who are different, they create really good things. So I I think it's great for your business. The challenge is uh, building it right. There have been too many DEI efforts that have become what I would call IEDs in improvised explosive devices, you know, it's, it's just blown up for organizations. And, and so we believe that the first thing that people need to do is not focus on, not focus on fads, not focus on what's next, not focus on opportunities and moments, but focus on a broad goal. You know, there's too many organizations that say, well, it's black history month. Um, what do we do? And, and it's just opportunistic start with the goal. I can tell you, tell you what our company is, and it's our anchor. We want to create an organization where everyone feels valued, respected, and safe consistently. When you start there and you build a culture around that, then everything starts to fall into place. So that that's the first thing I would suggest, avoid fads, focus on. The second thing I would focus on is create building blocks. If you want diversity, equity, inclusion, The first thing you need to do is you need to be able to focus on things like building emotional intelligence in your people, resilience in your people, train them on how to have difficult conversations. People dive into DEI way too fast. And what you have is you have a bunch of people who are uncomfortable and want to run away. And you have a bunch of people that when someone says something wrong, wants to tear people down, cancel them and destroy them. You can't solve problems and learn with those two attitudes. You've got to create an environment and a skill set that allows people to have those conversations and learn and grow, which leads to another piece. You have to find ways to show that we have a common goal and we have commonalities. There are differences, absolutely. But if we recognize that we're all in this together and if we recognize that we have things that hold us together, then it's easy to work on the differences and the challenges so I I would encourage you um, to do that I think that's key now some easy ways to do that are 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 things like um, uh, coming out with a culture statement and goal for your company okay Uh, uh, and then then getting feedback on that from your people and recognizing letting them recognize that you're the beginning of your journey. Don't put it out as if you're finished or you've gotten there, put it out with a sense of this is important to us. We want to go down this road and we want to do it right. And we'd love feedback from you on that. Second thing I would do is I would do an audit or a listening tour. You know, you can actually do culture, uh, uh, DEI culture audits. Uh, you can do DEI, uh, assessments and, uh, and, and culture assessments and, and you can learn about your DEI culture, what's working, what's not working. I think that's the second thing you do. And the, the third thing I would do is I would pick some things that you can do relatively quick and easy to get some quick wins that you can build off of. And people know that you are starting and you're serious. If you pick the hardest thing first and you fail or you fall short or it takes longer than expected, then you've lost the will of your people. You've lost the sense that you care. You've lost the sense that it's important to the organization. And so you wanna get some quick wins and then build on those quick wins and involve your people in that process.
1: A quick follow up on that one then I guess is is, uh, that the next focus, which is team harmony. So a brief question for you there. Whose responsibility is it, Brad? You know, is, is it everyone's responsibility? Is it, is it the leader's responsibility? Give, give us your take on it.
0: It's everyone's responsibility. It is shared. You know, there's new research out that shows that your team members that you collaborate with, in many cases, have more influence on whether you stay or go, have more influence on whether you're happy or not. than sometimes your manager. Uh, You know, we've just become more dispersed as an an organization, especially with remote work, um, with distributed workforces. And in many cases, we're interacting a lot more and having more impact on our team members than managers are. And so it is everyone's responsibility. I believe that culture is really reflective of the behaviors that you're willing to tolerate as an organization. And in many cases team members' behaviors are tolerated when they should not be, Uh, you know, especially if they bring in a lot of money, if they're well known outside the company, um, if it feels like a risk to lose them, we allow behavior to occur that we should not. It is everyone's responsibility and leadership needs to promote that concept and idea.
1: Okay, and then uh, the, the sixth focus area brad is solution seeking and uh, as you explain that perhaps you could also answer how one creates a culture of problem solving
0: i think the the first thing you have to do to create a, a culture of problem solving is that you have to start talking about successes you have to start recognizing and celebrating successes as much as you talk about the issues the problems the deadlines and and that's the challenge when you go into people's meetings they focus on all the problems. You know, you, you see it when you do things like 360-degree feedback. You know, people get assessments. The very first thing they go to is, what's wrong? What did I score poorly on? It's human nature. And so I, 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 the first thing we have to do is we have to change that script. And, and, and I would say that's the very first thing. The second thing is we've got to look at leaders as role models. You know, leaders are, for lack of a better analogy, you know, when a child gets hurt, now, I remember this distinctively as a parent. When a child gets hurt, the very first thing they do is they look at the reaction of their father or mother. And if their father or mother are fine, they, they're like, it's okay, it's fine. The child tends to react in more of a subdued manner and goes on. If the, chi- if the parent has a look of shock on their face, then the child typically starts to cry and get really upset. And so I think the leader's attitude and mindset makes a big difference. And let me give you an example of what I mean. I had a new employee, I will not name the person's name. Uh, she She's great though. And when she was brand new, she literally um, freaked out uh, in in uh, the afternoon. And when she did, I asked why, what's going on? And she said, oh, um, I said, it's okay, you can tell me. And she said, I think I erased all of your data about surveys from the survey engine we use. I said, you couldn't do that. You don't have the authority to do that. There's no way. She said, I think I did, will you look? And I I looked and sure enough, everything was gone. And so I said, I just don't see how you could have done that. But there's gotta be a solution. 99.9% of any mistake or problem can be solved. So let's focus on that. What do you think you should do? And she came up with a great idea. She was going to call the technical um, engineer that uh, knew the system really well and get them to help figure out where the data was, how she could get it back. Was it backed up? Which, of course, it was going to be backed up. And so she did that. And the next day she had me check my account and there was all the history of the data. And um, and so I said, what did you learn from this? And she gave me her learnings. And it was a great experience. And she was so much better off for it. And she turned to me and she she said one thing. She said, you didn't freak out. How come you didn't freak out? How come you didn't yell at me? And how come you didn't focus on the fact that everything was going wrong? And I said, well, let me ask you two questions. What good would that have done? She said it wouldn't have done any good. I said, and what would have done to you? And she said, I would have frozen. I would have probably given up and I probably wouldn't have come back to work. I said, well, then you have my reasons, right? So I and so she was shocked because her experience in the past with other people was that when something was wrong, they get very upset, they get mad, and they focus on the problem and on blame. And with me, we focused on solutions and learning. And it made all the difference in the world. She is an incredible employee who learned a great deal because we focused on solutions and learning. And that is a leader's responsibility because your employees look at you during a moment
1: when things aren't going right during the moments that matter wow okay we are we are flying through these uh two more areas of of focus to chat about today and that next one is safety Uh, briefly talk to me about how to prioritize safety while maintaining peak efficiency
0: i think the first thing is people need to change their minds about what safety is you know i i believe that safety is more than numbers Safety is, you know, when you go into companies, and I think it's great, don't get me wrong, that people track how long it's been since the last accident, that they do those kinds of things, that you you have a, a board up that has all the numbers on it, and you're exploring that. But in most cases, when I've gone into organizations that focus on safety, you know, manufacturing environments, et cetera, it is so numbers-driven that it becomes dry and dull, boring. I would also tell you that uh, it's usually a fire hose of information uh, from managers trying to push safety standards down the throats of their employees. And I think less is more and emotions matter. So what do I mean by that? I, I mean that I would tell you that when you meet with your people and you're talking about safety, you should do one topic at a time and really dive into it. it doesn't take long. It might take 10, 15 minutes, but it's worth it. And the second thing is I'd add emotion to it. I'll give you an example. I went to one organization and I asked them if I could lead their um, culture workout or huddle or stand up, whatever you want to call it, um, for them that day on safety. And I gave them a, a different experience. So I got up and I asked them to play with me a little bit here. I asked them to close their eyes and imagine someone they work with day in, day, in, day out. Someone they've become friends with, they've connected with. Imagine one of those people getting hurt. Imagine they've lost a finger, a hand, or maybe worse. And then I asked them how they felt. And when they started talking, all these emotions came out about feeling terrible and and just how much it hurt, and they would never want that to happen. And then I asked them to do something else, to imagine that they could have stopped it. They saw them doing something on the job that wasn't safe and they didn't feel comfortable speaking up. Now, how did they feel? And we start talking about guilt and, and how you, you just can't let that happen. And, and looking at it that way completely changes perspective. And then, then I said, now imagine that you're, you're the one that has to call their home and tell their mother, their father, their spouse, they're not coming home today. You actually have you had grown men tearing up, and then the call to action was, what are you going to do differently today to make sure that your team member is safe? And they came up with really great ideas, but they weren't just great ideas. they were commitments. If you're going to create a culture, culture at its core is about who we are and who we are is much more than numbers. The numbers happen because of who we are, and we have to tap into that when we build culture, safety, and other topics. But that's what I mean by focusing on safety. You can have peak efficiency and you can still care about safety. They go hand in hand.
1: And uh, finally, serving your customers. Let's talk about serving your customers, Brad. What what is one lesson that we can take from client relationship management that, that can be transferred and employed by HR leaders today to help improve internal cultures? I think
0: what's important is the concept that most companies look at their clients or their customers as number one. They bend over backwards to fix problems, to make the experience positive. And the problem with that is the people that do that are their employees. And so we should be bending over backwards to make the employee experience a positive one. We should be bending over backwards to give them the tools and the empowerment and the ability. To make the customer experience number one, you know, the reality is, you know, and I think it was Branson that said this, the most important person wasn't your customer, it was your employees. And I agree with him. Employees can't make your customer experience positive if theirs is not. Employees can make a customer experience incredible if their experience is incredible. And so you've got to tie those two things together. I think that's the lesson about serving Customers that HR folks can take internally.
1: I'm, I'm sad to say that we are coming towards the end. Before we do wrap up, how can our listeners learn more about you? Whether that's through LinkedIn, maybe you want to share your Twitter or email. Uh, how can they learn more about Performance Point LLC? Get a copy of your new book. Plus, um, you know, you, you've authored several texts o- over the years. Uh, maybe they can learn more about some of your other books too. Sure,
0: sure. So, you know, first of all, you can get the book anywhere. It's everywhere. It's at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Books A Million. Any bookseller has it, so you can get it anywhere. Uh, second, uh, some of the other books are, are books like Employee Engagement, Roadmap to Creating Profits, Optimizing Performance, Increasing Loyalty, 101 Ways to Enhance Your Career, and then a book called Jumpstart. So I've written a few, um, and, uh, and this one is uh, I'm very proud of this, this one that we have today that we're talking about. Uh, you can learn about me, about the organization at performancepointllc.com. Uh, we are also, Performance Point is also on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and so am I. I'm on every single one of those. I would love to hear from you. Uh, I believe that social media is a social experience. So if you have a question, a comment, uh, anything, reach out to me, follow me, try and connect with me. I'm happy to do that. Uh, I, I would love to hear from you, and uh, and and look forward to it very much.
1: Thank you. Wonderful, and that just leaves me to say for today, Brad Federman. Thank you very much for being my guest on this episode of the HR Chat Show. Thank you, and listeners, as always, until next time, happy working.